0: Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do his work. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: If you're in Zoom or Facebook Live. I, it looked to me like some of my friends from Africa are joining us today, I think, although I'm didn't just check just now, but it looked like a few of them. So welcome those guys that are with us. Are you getting settled in the building? Oh, good. That's what I wanted up there. I wanted you to see that graphic right there. So I know the first question that you're asking is, where did Ron get that incredibly cool shirt? Is that what you were all thinking? See, that's prophetic. That's how I roll. <laughs> so... Those of you around here know that there's a young man in Africa that I call my son, Mika. If you're watching, Mika, hey. Um, About 11 years ago, Tracy and Frank Blagg and Kim and I joined together to be sponsors in a program at Breath of Heaven Children's Village and picked out a a little boy's name that was completely unknown to us at the time and began supporting him. And then letter writing happened. And then in 2016, we actually got to go and visit, and the moment um, Mika, who was 16 at the time, and I met, we just, our hearts were connected as deeply as bio father and son. We just love each other, and when I was out there in July of this year, um, he did something special. He went and, I don't know how he saved the money up, but he went and talked with one of the other kids who is um, in fashion design, and Put together some clothes as a gift for me. I gave, made this shirt for me. Look at the colors on this. Is it not beautiful? You should feel the fabric too. And also, I think he put one for Frank and for um, Kim has something like this. And I think Tracy has a dress like this. Anyway, you can't buy it at Kohl's. You have to go meet someone in Africa who loves you, <laughs> and then they have to be moved to buy you a special gift. So, what we're going to do today is mostly tell stories, but you can see on the screen is this phrase, go, see, feel, and act with compassion. If time permits, at the end, I'm going to open up Matthew 9 and share with you a, just a short um, piece of scripture um, that I actually used when I was speaking at a conference of the Vineyard Churches in Zambia a couple weeks ago, but I'll give you just a touch of it, but... Um, The idea is this, in Matthew, after the Sermon on the Mount, those of you that have been reading the Bible and you know there's a Sermon on the Mount in Matthew around chapter 5, 6, and 7, the next two chapters detail Jesus going around and doing his works. And in Matthew 9, at the end, it gives a summary statement that Jesus went through all these towns and villages. He went, he go, and he saw the crowds And he was moved with compassion. And then he sends the disciples out. And this is what Jesus did. He would go, see, feel, and act. And it's what he calls his disciples to do. And it probably describes what some of our team was experiencing. And when you guys send us, I know you always love to hear stories of what happened. So I'm going to invite the people that went to Africa this last few weeks Tell some stories. So it just the, the went like this. Michael Aplikowski and I went to Zambia, which is kind of in the center of Africa. It's landlocked. It's next door to Zimbabwe. They used to be north and south Rhodesia until independence. Then they became Zambia and Zimbabwe in 1964 is when Zambia achieved its independence. So we were invited to go and minister at the Vineyard Church's National Conference in Zambia. and We spent roughly about a week, well, half a week there. And then we flew to Lusaka, where Breath of Heaven Children's Village that we often talk about is, and mostly just hung out with the kids. I went and spoke at a vineyard church in Lusaka while I was there, too, in the middle of the week, and we did an outreach. That picture is us um, speaking and praying at a um, marketplace in a compound. It's a very poor area, and the the church at Breath of Heaven, in connection with a number of other churches, has a worship Um, sort of a combined worship band, and they go and they do outreach, and they ask me to preach the gospel, and then we um, prayed for people. So you see Michael up there praying and Ted and different ones just blessing the community. That's what we did. Well, at the same, roughly the same time that we were there, Jennifer Rowe and Mark Anthony Goodwin first went to Uganda, where they were, well, they'll tell you what they were doing, mostly with You Cup, but probably a little broader than that. And then they joined us, actually they preceded us, I think, Roughly the same time, we landed at Breath of Heaven Children's Village, and they did a bunch of ministry there. So we'll tell some stories. Does this sound good? Good plan? Did I miss anything? No. Michael, you want to come up and be our first storyteller? <laughs> he also has a African shirt. I think his looks like, um, what do you call that, in a cathedral? Stained glass windows. Does that look like stained glass windows to you? You'll see when he gets on the camera soon. But Michael was an unbelievably great travel partner, ministry partner. People were saying, ah, you're like frickin' frack. You guys are so, that was his sister down. She's nodding. (laughs) You guys are going to kill each other. (laughs) Actually, we ended up, the truth is, oh, did I sound like her? (laughs) Sorry, Daria. I love you, Daria. (laughs) We actually grew to love each other even more. And if you haven't gotten to know Michael, he is a servant. Oh, my gosh. I'd get up in the morning when we had a house where there was a kitchen, and he'd have a spread of food out before I ever got up. Coffee and a platter of fruit cut up. And I'm like, dang, you want to come and live with us? (laughs) Because Kim would like this, too. You know what you need is a microphone, and you didn't grab one. I'll grab one for you. Oh, you have one. How would you do that?
2: Is it on? Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, and Michael.
2: It, it, I don't function well without Stephen.
1: Five back. to ten minutes. How many? Five to ten or they'll Five leave. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is coming from the guy who talked so long at that marketplace that I didn't get to get up and speak. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I love him. Uh, I love him and I'm sure Zambia loves him for, for how, letting that happen. <laughs> and um, I'm going to take a moment to uh, ask the uh, Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit here, and ask God to not let me screw this up um, in famous prayer. Anyhow, um, <laughs> so I had no plans on going to Zambia anywhere near, near Zambia. I had a plan to go to uh, Pakistan January 4th, and uh, that got postponed for a little while. And the opportunity was presented. Um, Ron needed a travel partner, and Shannon Fry and I, who have gotten very close, um, I, I could read her heart, and, and of course um, she made it real clear um, that it was on her heart that maybe I travel with Ron, so I threw my name in the hat, so to speak. Um, also, my girlfriend, Brandy, uh, knew uh, how I felt about not going to Pakistan and was very excited and, and wanted very badly for me to have the experience of going, you know, to uh, Zambia. Um, I had no uh, speaking engagements set up. I'm, I'm not a could-you guy. I had no cups to give out. <laughs> I, you know, I did carry 250 cups to Africa. Thank God I didn't have to explain that at customs. But trust me, I've walked through customs with a lot worse. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, um, <laughs> yeah. So I had no plan. No idea why I was going. People were asking me, are you excited? And I guess I said, what well, was politically correct? Correct. I'm going with, um, with my pastor who... Uh, well, you know what they say, you don't know somebody till you live with them. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> I came home with a new, new respect for Kim and Bryce and Carissa, that's for sure. <laughs> um, <yeah. clears throat> let, let me tell you this, though, uh, and I'll get to that part of the story. We have a true servant leader behind us. This man served me throughout the trip. I'm on a bum leg. He carried my luggage. He pushed me in wheelchairs. He did everything. would not let me get up in the airport to do anything. You know, this is, this is a leader. Yeah. Anyhow, so i well, do on our way to the airport, and, and I'm not, like, I'm not feeling it yet. And, uh, and Brandy's talking to Ron, and Brandy, Brandy still sees Ron as a great man of God, as they say in Africa, you know. And I've come to know Ron as Ron. And she's really, really in, in like, her glory, really happy, and having this conversation. And Ron's in his realm, and he's in his place. And my sister's looking out the window. I know she's thinking about Coco Ichiban on the way home to a Japanese restaurant. Right. I know. And so she's in her happy place. And um, <clears throat> guys, I, I don't know if you could see the, the kingdom of God in the mundane with three heroin. Addicts. Me, my sister, and Randy. Was not supposed to be there. And it hits me. Here we are, least qualified, carrying our pastor to go do what he's going to go do, his armor bearers, so to speak. And I had that moment. Everything was absolutely perfect. That's the kingdom of God. Meets the honor comes through. We have that moment but we don't worry, we don't fear. And then I understood what I was going to Africa to do, to Zambia to do, to do exactly what I do here. Doesn't change. So we hit the airport um, in LAX. And I have this bad leg, so Ron has to push me around. And, and we had to get these people to push us around in a wheelchair that worked there. And um, I did what I do. I turned to the lady that was pushing us, and I said, can I ask you a question? And she said yes, and I said, can I pray for you? And it began. This lady, what was you saying? She said, that's not running out <laughs> of her nose and every other thing. And then before you knew it, you know, here we are in this airport praying for people, and Ron's joining in, and, and, and we made our way. Now, we're not even in Zambia yet, mind you. We're not where we have to go yet. We're not at the event. We're not at the event. So, we hit Chicago O'Hare, and now Ron's leading the way. He's asking, can I ask you a question? And we're praying for people. It's happening on the planes. it's happening everywhere. We finally get into, into Zambia, and um, <coughs> we're, in a, we're in a hotel. And in this hotel, if you can push it forward a little bit more. There we are. Right there was an amazing place, right there at that table. We must have played for, what, around 10, 12 people, and began to do so on a regular basis. And We simply asked them. And I asked you a question. I said, "Yes, and we prayed. Um, and I understood why I was on this trip. I believe that we go out to proclaim the kingdom of God. We're anointed to do that. I believe that we, 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 we minister to the poor or the insufficient. We relieve the oppressed and we free the captive, and we heal. You know that that was taking place or had taken place in the car on the way to the airport? My sister, myself, Brandy. we were poor, we were insufficient, we were oppressed, and we were captive to our addiction, and we were healed by the kingdom of God. Now I'm in Zambia doing more of this, and I'm um, and it, it, it just didn't stop, you know. There's so much more I could talk about and so many more events that I could talk about. Um, you know, I got to hear, hear the hearts of men and, and, and share the dreams of other men, but I don't think that's really appropriate um, to bring that, you know, here. I, I got to see things that people on mountains of garbage searching for something of value while the garbage smoldered and smoked and burnt. Um, that I couldn't even bring myself to photograph. You know, um, I had to experience a lot there. But here's what I know. In front of me each time was an event. In front of me each time was a human being created in the image of God. And I had to find the love for them and the ability. I want to pray for them. Do what we've been called to do. Guys, I traveled 8,400 miles to do that. Every day, pretty much, Stephen Beck and I, Daniel and I, we get in a car and we travel 2.9 miles right here in Oceanside to do the very same. You could turn to the person next to you and do what I did in Zambia. It's Not an event. It's what we're called to do. do really think I have a lot more to say. I really don't. Um, which is good, because I only got about two more minutes to say it. In. Um, <laughs> anybody, uh, this was really just a, uh, a commercial uh, for what's going to be said at the men's breakfast on Saturday. All of you, I hope, show up. And uh <laughs> I, I really don't have much more to say, but thank you. And also, I want to thank... Um, people that prayed the people that supported me and the people that also made this possible you know we blessed a lot of people with what you did and I thank you all for that
1: have you guys met Mark Anthony Goodwin yet? This guy fit right in with the kids. Can you imagine? Come on over here so they can see you on the camera. And uh, share what you're gonna share, Mark.
3: Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Anthony Goodwin. Uh, first and foremost, I wanna thank everyone that donated to make this possible for us to go on this mission. Thank you very much to all of the people that donated. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Okay, so. Just to give you a little short story uh when i was a when i was a young boy i used to see the commercials and uh on tv me and my mom used to be looking so i used to uh see like the flies and the kids with the big stomachs in africa so i used to always think like i want to i want to like do something to help them because the commercials used to be insane back in the days and so when my mom used to cook. And we had leftovers because you know I'm the only child. It was just me and my mom most of the time, and she'll cook a whole bunch of food just in case cousins or relatives come over. And I'll see her throw food away the leftovers, and I used to be like, "Mom, what are you doing? We can send this food to the kids in Africa." And she used to tell me, she used to say, "Son, I understand you have a good heart and everything, but that's not enough food." And she said, "One day you'll go there, and you can, you know, you'll make a difference." And I actually thought that I will go there. <laughs> make a difference and that didn't happen so what happened was i, I believe that it changed me <laughs> it changed me so um just landing just landing in 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 zambia uh it just uh so when jennifer and i got there we got to the airport and when i went to the restroom it was a gentleman there uh employee there and he bowed down to me and said welcome and no one ever in their life done that to me. And just right there, that moment, just it, it blew my mind. Like it, so I came, I came out of the restroom, and they picked us up from the airport. And I just, I just got on my knees and just started praying right then and there. It, just, it, was, it was just amazing. I never experienced anything like that in my life. And moving forward, uh, we got to uh, Pilgrim Center. And just the whole community, the way they the way they just greeted us there, I never experienced that <laughs> anywhere I went in the world and mind you i I did travel to where I was in the United States Navy for four years and did a lot of tours and I just never experienced anything like that in my life i don't know what it was i didn't i didn't go with any expectations i didn't expect anything i was just I just went there with an open heart and do whatever it was asked of me to do, and just the children, they eyes, just the way they looked at me, just my own children didn't, don't even look at me the way some of these children looked at me. I'm like, why do I feel if I adopt one of these kids or something, I think I would probably, like, no disrespect, I'm like, I think I would probably love, love these kids more than I love my own kids. Because it's just something—it's just something about their spirit and their eyes that just grabs you. And I am so grateful that I went on this mission. And I just want to make it part of my life moving forward. To be honest, uh, so oh, okay. So this picture right here—we was uh, in Zambia right there, and just <laughs> so okay. So the kid that's in the back of my knees—his name is Lucas right there. He followed me around everywhere, like, and I'm like, this is my son. Like, it's just all—all. All it's really hard to explain, but all of those children right there—it's just something special about them. Oh man, that is Morris right there. Um, morris is from um Uganda. Uh, we met his family, uh, Pastor Richard and his uh. His mom, Julie, and Morris is a very, he's a really special child. He uh, has some fluid le- leaking from his brain, and so, like, we just need to pray for him and keep him in our prayers always. That is such a special kid. Oh, my God, look at him. Ain't he? Ain't he, ain't he adorable? And, yeah, I, I'm i just, look at him. Look at him. He looked like a little soldier. Look. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And so yeah. And okay, right, we're back we're back in Zambia now right there and we was watching a movie with the kids and just and these kids are so wonderful like they really pay attention to detail and just like execute like they was looking at the movie and then like we had like a little uh a review of the movie and the youngest kid understood what was going on with the movie. I'm like, "Wow." We was just doing the the um, dance, and I'm like, I still don't even know my right to left sometimes, and it was just weird, you know, like the song you go uh, to the left, and I'm like going to the right, and these kids are like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I wait till forty nine years old, I still don't know my right to left in Africa, and and it shows, and I'm like, well, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> the children are so wonderful, and. I'm just, I'm
2: just,
3: watch the two pop up. Don't judge me. I knew y'all was going to judge. I knew it. Uh, I think that's all I have right now. Um, But honestly, thank you to everyone that donated. Thank you very, very much. And a special shout-out to Daniel and his son. Daniel, thank you for everything you do for our community. And God bless you and your son always.
1: Thanks, Mark. Have a wonderful day, everyone. You you didn't tell him that you've become an African-American. (laughs)
3: <laughs> okay this is serious okay I'm the first one in my family to ever go to Africa and you know when you uh, filling out a job application you have to put what you are so they only force you to put African American you can't just put American Or it's either African American or like whatever else right now I have no problem with checking African American <laughs> I am the true African American
1: <laughs> It was so funny when I met him in Zambia. He was like, I used to just be an American, but now I'm an (laughs) African-American. Jennifer, can you come on up? Jennifer um, easily could take an hour with stories of ministry that she has. So I saved perhaps the best for last. I want to make sure she had plenty of time to share some stories. She She has such a wonderful ministry that she's involved with, and she'll probably tell you a little bit about it but she really impacted the part that I saw in Zambia at Breath of Heaven Children's Village. I have a feeling you'll be back. Come on over here. Here's a mic for you. Um, Come on over. Um, But just, if you haven't gotten to know these people, Family at Grace, get to know them. Come to lunch next week at least, or just um, grab a hold of them and ask them to tell you stories. They'll tell you all about their lives and you'll share richness. I think probably the, the greatest part of the kingdom of God and being in Jesus is what we have with him and with each other. And what's amazing when you travel somewhere around the globe is you instantly have that deep heart connection with someone that you've never seen from another culture and it. It's, it's remarkable. I think it's because of Jesus in each of us. Yeah, Go ahead, Jennifer.
0: Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I have so much to share. I mentioned to Pastor Ron I could easily take up this whole hour and maybe the next few Sundays. And so for 10 minutes uh, I had to pray a lot about what to share. Let me just pray. <laughs> Father, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to to share what you did on this mission, Lord, what you did in my heart, what you did in the lives of others. Thank you just for so many opportunities that we had to share your love. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just come and that I would be able to honor The stories and the testimony, um, especially the people in the way that you would want, Lord. So I just thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this first picture um, was the very first part of our trip in Uganda. And it was really hard because they had been on my heart. I'd been praying for them. I knew we were going to go be uh, working with some people with disabilities. And as you can see, I I have one that you can see. But what you don't know is that I have a lot of disabilities that you cannot see. So I knew that the Lord was calling me to encourage people with disabilities, to encourage them to have joy even in the midst of their disabilities and the struggles they have. So this picture and these people are very near and dear to me. This is a group that meets in the eastern part of, oh can you go back please, thank you, the eastern part of uh, Uganda and they are in Busia and each one of them has different disabilities that they, they deal with every day. And we were actually doing a Could you outreach for the menstrual hygiene cups but for people with disabilities. And this gentleman was our interpreter who also has a disability. And I just had the opportunity to share, despite the disabilities that I have, what God is doing, the joy that he's restored in me, even though I have physical suffering, even though I have emotional suffering, that you can still have joy. And I just appreciate it. What Amy shared today, even what Pastor was sharing in joy, you can have unspeakable joy despite whatever you're going through, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical. And these people had, it was just so incredible to meet them. And I just really wanted to highlight how beautiful they were and how much they impacted my life and how I was able to share the joy that the Lord has um, in me. This... This next person um, I met at the end of that uh, outreach, and her name is Dorcas. Dorcas, I'm gonna tell you her story. we were getting ready to leave the outreach, and somebody asked me to come and hear Dorcas's story. It was, we had an interpreter. Dorcas is, was 13 years old, when she became a child bride. Her father left the house and the mother didn't want her anymore, so she kicked her out and she went to her grandmother's house. Her grandmother didn't want her either. So the mother and the grandmother got together and they betrothed her to, they basically to, to some man who became her husband at 13 years old. At 13 years old, he stole her innocence She became pregnant. What you don't know about Dorcas is that she has some disabilities. She has seizures. She has epilepsy. So she's a young girl, unwanted by her mother, unwanted by her grandmother. By the way, she didn't know about the marriage. She just got thrown into that situation and was not consent. Her mother-in-law did not want... Her baby because her baby was going to have disabilities so they kicked her out again and pushed her back to her grandmother unwanted still by her grandmother so she's telling me this story and it's with the interpreter and it's time to leave I'm being told it's time to go and I'm sort of in shock how could you not be So young girl sitting there, very pregnant, at the very end of her pregnancy. And I'm like, I can't go. I I'm not done hearing what she has to say, and the Holy Spirit is working here. So I'm like, hold on. So she continues to tell me her story. And I find out that she's hungry. So her grandmother treats her poorly. She's starving. Her baby's starving. She's getting ready to have her baby. And I said, Dorcas, do you want your baby? And tears start to stream down her face. And she says yes, in her language. She says, I love my baby and my heart. What I felt and what I could see from this young girl, so unwanted, the injustice, the suffering was so deep. But she loved her baby. She loved her baby. So again, I'm prompted, it's time to go. And I'm like, we cannot leave this girl without praying for her. And so as I prayed for her, I could see there start to be a peace in her. And I was able to hug her and love on her. And then when I got into the bus, I could I was just crying. I could feel her pain, the depths of the sorrow and the suffering was so great. And I looked to Doreen who was one of our partners and I said, Doreen, what can we do? She's pregnant. She's hungry. She's starving. She's in an abusive situation. She has disabilities. What can we do? And I'm praying and I'm like, Lord, what can we do? And we were able to partner with just a little bit of finances to get her some food where they came the very next day. That's this picture from the young girl who was completely hopeless. And do you see that smile? They brought her a baby kit. There was nothing for her to have the baby. There are no supplies or anything for her to be able to have. She had nothing. She had no food, no supplies. And now she has some food and supplies. Can you go to the next picture? Oh, go back. Sorry. So excuse me. This is the first time. And if you go to the next slide, they've visited her twice now. Now, this is just the beginning. If any of you feel compelled to help in this situation, Dorcas is on my heart. I'm going to tell her story. This is what we are called to do, to speak for the voiceless, to be the voice for the voiceless. There needs to be something done about there's this injustice. So I'm contacting an attorney that's in Uganda to, to help in this situation. There's also other organizations that can help. And so I'm praying that we can help her get out of the abusive situation to be able to care for her baby, to be healthy, to be well, and to thrive. And so I just pray that you would be praying for Dorcas. She has not had her baby yet, but that's the latest update. Now, that was kind of heavy. This is a little more (laughs) light. So Mark Anthony and I had the opportunity to go to the U.S. Embassy in Kampala in Uganda, and we got to share. You can go to the next slide. We got to share and meet with other organizations working to end period poverty. Now I mentioned that before we left. What that is is girls miss school. They miss school every month that are experiencing period poverty. This is not an issue just in Africa. This is a global issue. It's an issue right here even in our backyard in the US, even here in San Diego. And so we're working to end period poverty by the year 2040 with the Could You organization. And this is Victoria. She was working with, uh, her organization is the Tuna Wesa Organization, and that she was who we partnered with, with helping people with disabilities, and being able to give them access to these um, menstrual hygiene cups. You can go to the next slide, please. Now, I just wanted to, to highlight this picture, because this looks like fullness of joy to me, right here. She is an incredible person, and it was just an absolute honor to work with her, and we are still continuing to partner with the Tuna Waysa Foundation. Look at that smile. <laughs> and this is some of our team that was there at the U.S. Embassy. I had the honor of, of speaking in the organization. Okay, thank you. I had the honor of speaking at this event and being able to highlight the work that we're doing. And I have so many people that we're partnering with and being able to connect and bring more Kujou Cups into Uganda. Next. All right, thank you. So these are 2014 girls in Zambia and their breath of heaven. I had the opportunity to uh, train these girls with the menstrual hygiene cup. Aren't they, aren't they beautiful? And we had a photo shoot. So the next few slides, I just told them, you have creative control. Just have fun. <laughs> and notice the flower theme. I think they like flowers, too. This is not my idea. <laughs> They're so sweet. Even that flower, one of the girls threw the flower in for the photo. (laughs) Okay, if you could pause here. So, oh, go back, excuse me, one slide. So these girls at the very end uh, of the photo shoot, these were the girls that were still left, and they said, hey, is it okay if we have a girls' night tonight? And I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds amazing. And I have three grown sons, so I, really love girl time, like I always wanted to have a daughter, so this was going to be like super fun. And I was so excited, I'm like, I brought satin hands, I'm going to like satin hands with them and like wash their hands, this is going to be so fun. And then, next slide. So the six girls turned into like seven, and then it was like 10, and then it was like 12, and then it was like 15, then it was like 20. Then it was like 24 girls showed up. I thought it was just like the six or seven that were coming. No, all of the teen girls came, and we had a girls' night. And this is like everybody in the kitchen. No, this isn't everybody. We were like trying to all squeeze. So I washed 24 girls' hands, like, <laughs> in here. And then we what was ended up being an inc- really, really, really incredible evening. We went from in there having a snack and then a worship night we just put on worship music I I mean the Holy Spirit just led this incredible night of loving on these girls encouraging them in their walks who they are there's the special and unique gifts that God has for each and every one of them and God was doing some healing he had put some songs of, of healing on my heart to play and there were girls worshiping the Lord and healing and it was one of the most precious parts of this trip and i'm just feel so honored to be able to share about all of these incredible people and i think is that the last slide one more that's the last one yeah so that's what i have for today if you want to hear more this is just a slight fraction we did like seven outreaches between Uganda and Zambia, many, many trainings, and God had all these divine appointments. I would love to share more with you. I want to thank you for those that helped to support us, and just we're just so honored to be here. We love Grace Vineyard, and we, we love the Lord. So thank you so much. God bless you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I could see you want them to talk more, don't you? Maybe we can do another story time. So it's about 11 now, and I'll try to wrap up our time together. Sometimes people say, you know, it costs a lot of money to send you Americans on a trip to another place a lot of money in airfare. You might be thinking that. Americans often think very economically. Um, I don't know if you know that about yourselves. But they, they think sort of spreadsheets and numbers. And our experience in Africa is they think more relationally, generally as a culture, um, more about who you're committed to in family, who you're committed to in your church life, just relationship. And I, I do want you to know, if you're thinking, why don't we just send money instead of sending people? When we've gone on trips, they always tell us, you have no idea how important it is for us, for you to come. They want human beings to come and bring a, a word of encouragement, some love, some care. It's, it's tremendously impactful. The Because of COVID, the Breath of Heaven Children's Village had no visitors for about three years. And I think our team that went in July was just the second. A a previous team had come and they were leaving when we arrived. And the people there told us the village feels like it's alive again. It had come to life because you guys came and played and loved and encouraged. And so thank you, those of you that um, send. And, And also, if you haven't figured it out, This congregation is about missions a lot. Um, And so there are, you know, Steve has talked about the the coming trip in, is it February? Um, That he's taking to work with the Vineyard Churches in Honduras, encourage some fledgling congregations, some groups that have not even started yet. And so um, there's still opportunity as far as I know. You can talk with Steve about the possibility of going. It's a life-changing experience to go to another place. It really is. The people that go are always more changed than the people <laughs> are that receive us. So I encourage you to think about going on missions trips. Could I, can I just take a few minutes and highlight this scripture that I mentioned at the beginning? Would you, uh, projector guys, I gave you Matthew 9.35 through 10.8. Would you do this in a different order and see if you can bring up Chapter 10, verse 1, and then I'll back up. So as I mentioned before, Matthew wrote a book, basically, as a discipleship guide for people that are wanting to follow Jesus. My time here with you this morning, by the way, and inviting those folks to share, is specifically, intentionally, about making disciples. Story time is nice, and I like that, but I'm a pastor, and I have a, I have a plan. <laughs> I have a point, and the reason that we would take time to tell stories, is to engage a, a, part of your, um, a part of our thinking, our emotions, to think about how we live out what Jesus has called us to be as his disciples. Disciples are people who follow Jesus and who are learning to be like him. In fact, one person said that to be a disciple is to attempt to live your life the way Jesus would live your life if he was living your life. Imagine Jesus, if he came to the earth in 20, you know, the 20s or the late 90s and was living your life in your position, what would he be like? To be a disciple is to live in that fashion. Are you with me on that? So in the writings of Matthew, one of his followers, he wrote down a story and teachings of Jesus' life. And I told you, I'll say it again, if you read Matthew right now, you'll find at chapter five, Matthew has Jesus standing on a hillside with a bunch of people that come, and he gives one of the most important sermons in the history of sermons. People study it just for its eloquence. And it's the one where he starts out, blessed are the poor in spirit, and he does the beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn. And then he talks about everything from divorce to murder to relationships to not judging. That's Two chapters of Matthew, and, um, Jesus leaves the mountain with his disciples, and Matthew tells a sequence of stories, one after another, of Jesus going from place to place, encountering people in need and meeting their need with the power of God and the love. And over and over, one of the things that happens is Jesus is moved with compassion, much the way you saw Jennifer just in telling her story. She didn't say, I was moved with compassion, but you knew she was moved with compassion when she was talking about Dorcas. You felt that. I felt that. You probably, some of you were weeping as you were moved with compassion. In Acts, in Luke chapter 10, there's a really popular verse for churches and people who love the power of God and the kingdom of God and the supernatural ministry. And it says this, Jesus calls his 12 disciples to give them authority over evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Uh, verse 5, these he sent out, Could you go to verse 5? Possibly, yeah. These, Jesus sent out with these instructions, as you go preach this message, the kingdom of God, heaven is near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely receive, freely give. And um, in America or the West, we people that believe this sort of thing are sometimes so excited that they'll take their phones out and they'll film as they pray for someone who's getting healed and put that on their Instagram or their Facebook, social media, and everyone's excited about the power. And I'm excited about the power. I love healing. I love prophecy. I love driving out. I love all that that work of the Spirit. But if we don't read in context, we might miss what's probably more important than the acts of power. And so back up to the top, verse 35 of chapter 9. Remember, there's no chapter markings or verse markings in the Bible as Matthew's writing this story. It's just a continuous stream of thought. And before we got to this part about Jesus sending out the disciples, Matthew writes this. He writes a summary statement of what I just told you about Jesus going here and there and here and there and seeing a woman who's had an issue with hemorrhaging and spent all her money at the doctor's, and she's not getting any better, so he heals her. And then he runs into a woman... A man who says, come and pray for my daughter. She's dying. And Jesus raises her from the dead. And he runs into um, some blind guy and heals them. him. Runs into a couple guys that are like insane with violence and psychotic episodes, living in graves, cutting themselves. You know, cutting is not new. They were cutting back then. Cutting themselves, crying out. They're out of their minds, and Jesus sets them free and heals them because they'd been tormented by evil spirits. He drives them out. So one after another story, the Matthew gets to the end of this chapter 9 with this summary. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness, the very thing that he sent the disciples to do, verse 10. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, or more accurately, was moved... With compassion and I want to just stop there in the middle of sentence and and let you get a hold of this Jesus didn't go around doing good to prove that he was God some people teach that people that are like educated they've been to seminary and they'll tell you see Jesus did miracles because he had to prove that he was God but that's over with now we don't need miracles anymore because we've got the Bible so there and I'm sorry but they're just wrong Even if they have masters and doctorates, they're just wrong because the Bible says it differently. It says over and over, Jesus did these things not to prove something, but because he was a man who was God who was filled with love and compassion. That was the motivation. It wasn't to prove something. And we err if we try to prove something about the power of God. We'll miss the whole thing. If we do acts of power without love, it's worthless so this is actually, in my opinion, more important. We're, together, it completes the picture that we must have this heart, that Jesus and we are to go. You guys go somewhere every day. Most of you are not. Well, you went somewhere because you're here today. You left your house. Most of us are not stuck in our houses. But I, I want to encourage us to go with intentionality. Like the next time you go to the store to buy milk, how about if you move away from the milk and think, I wonder, as I'm going, if there's a purpose for my going to the store today that's beyond getting my milk. As you go to your job, is there a purpose beyond just working the hours and getting your paycheck? Is there a human being that God wants you to interact with? When you go to the restaurant, you go with intentionality, and then the next thing is it's really important to see. Many of us are going around life, and we're not seeing the people around us. And you can slow down, put it down into first gear, slow your roll, ask the Lord to give you eyes to see like he sees. because We have a description of what Jesus sees and what God sees right here. You're going to go around today and you're going to see some people in life. But are you going to see them? You're going to have interactions with people that irritate you. Are you going to just see the irritation or are you going to see the human being and wonder, hmm, I wonder what's going on that they act so, in such an annoying fashion to me. Why are they so rude? I wonder what's going on. I'm going to see. And then as God works in you, you can be moved with compassion. It's a really interesting Greek word. I'll, I'll try to butcher it right now. And it refers to this area physically in your body. It means to feel in your belly. Have you ever felt pain of someone that you've seen? You go, oh, and you can, you're like moved. That's what Jennifer was experiencing, as she described Dorcas, as she heard the story, she was like, someone's got to do something. I don't care about the bus. I'll miss the bus. Let's deal with this. I'm moved with compassion. Jesus saw the crowds, and he was moved, felt it, and he allowed himself to feel it. And then he did something. So here's what it says. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you know there is someone called Satan at work in this world today who harasses and hurts people? He's an invisible foe, and he hates people made in the image of God. And it's his plan to destroy lives, to rob and to steal and to kill. That's what Jesus said. And he's a liar, and he doesn't play fair. When he robs and steals and destroys, he's evil and sneaky and horrible about it. There's nothing funny about him at all. Demons are not funny. They're not amusing. They're wicked. There's nothing good about him. And I tell you, Jesus never met a demon that he liked. He kicked him out as soon as he saw him. And behind The confusion and the corruption and the immorality and the abuse and the injustice and the selling of children to be brides to older men in some countries. Behind all that is not the work of God, but it's the work of Satan, and it's the work of people who are deceived by him. They're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's how Jesus sees them. And Jesus has come to help The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God, and it is present in the people of God to come and change the situation practically by giving meals and clothing to those who don't have clothes, obviously, and also powerfully spiritually by bringing a change to the whole demeanor of a person when you can pray and the power of the Spirit of God comes on someone and someone who was lost and desperate suddenly has hope and peace, and a sense of love and joy. You, if you belong to Jesus, and if you don't belong to Jesus, you can by the end of this morning. If you belong to Jesus, have the spirit of the living God in you, and you have everything that Jesus had to bring the life of God's kingdom to the world around us, where people are lost, helpless, harassed, like sheep without a shepherd. That's how God sees those people. You with me? So we can, with intentionality, Go, with intentionality, see, and with intentionality, feel, and then act with compassion. The acting sometimes is just very practical. Like, if you didn't, the could you cup, this thing is amazing. I'm a guy, okay, so I don't know a lot about menstrual hygiene, frankly, and it's embarrassing sometimes for us guys to talk about such things, right? But we understand now there are millions. Did you see, is it 100 million around the world? 165? There's like hundreds of millions of girls, get this, men and women, who don't go to school for a whole week every month or they don't show up for their job for a whole week because they don't have the products they need to deal with their period. Called period poverty so someone saw that was moved with compassion came up with an idea it's actually quite old built a contraption that for $10 will last for 10 years and solve the problem so they created an organization said could you could you give $10 and help someone for 10 years could you now that's practical you don't have to be a Christian or know how to pray to do that one. You can say, yeah, I'll give $10. I'll give $100 to help 10 women. I'll give $1,000 and help 100 women. If you want to do that, talk to Jennifer. She'll help you get hooked up. You wouldn't mind that, would you? <laughs> she wouldn't mind at all. What? How many How many cups did we take to Zambia? 200? 2,000? You took 2,000. 2,000. So they took 2,000 on the trip. We took 200 to The medical clinic at Breath of Heaven that will serve just not only the girls there, but the surrounding community. Can you imagine? 200 girls and women just had a big problem solved. Change it. Now it's 500. Do I hear 600? 700? (laughs) Going twice. (laughs) To an auction. Anyway, you still with me? See, go. See. Feel. And act with compassion. In addition to your practical stuff, buying a Could You Cup, helping buy meals for poor people, helping support organizations that address the issues of domestic violence, just whatever it is that God puts on your heart as you see and feel, in addition to that, know that there is a power from the Holy Spirit to bring healing to bring deliverance, to bring freedom to people who are oppressed, to set people who feel like they're captive to their life situations free. Uh, so someone here said, Ron, I want to take you out to lunch on Friday. So we went out it Was a Friday, Thursday. I don't remember. It was this week. <laughs> I'm still jet-lagged. We went to a restaurant, and I'm beginning to practice what Michael has discipled me in. I asked the food server Hey, the guy I'm with and I, we love to pray for people. Is there something in your life that we could pray for? Can you do that? It's just a little bit of fear barrier to get past. And it opens a door to connection that's really remarkable. She said, Let me get back to you. I want to really think of a good one. She went around, she came back, and she said, Well, actually, my life is a mess. I'm a single mom. I'm working all these hours. I can hardly get my kids to school. I keep getting in bad relationships, and my car is impounded right now. Because I said, we pray for you. A human being opened up her heart. They're all around us. And I didn't even solve her problem. It was, like, fast. We exchanged some information. She might show up at our church. She wanted to know about our church. And that often happens. Relationship develops. But we prayed for her quickly. and She experienced a touch of care, and love just at a restaurant right here in Oceanside. You would never have known. She had a great smile. Everything looked good. She was not good on the inside, not good at all, in really bad place, actually. People around us are like that, and do you know that Jesus has the answer? The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God has the answer. Many of you in this room were in that kind of place in your life, and someone came to you, and rescued you with the gospel, the good news that God cares and he can do something about the problems that people are facing. And he can give you an experience of love and joy and peace right now while we're waiting for him to come and fix everything. Before he fixes everything, he can fix us on the inside. And you have been given the message, the good news that Jesus has come. He cares about people and he has a solution. And people don't know it. So we have to tell them, we have to show them, we have to give it. This is what we're called to do. It's what Jesus did. So he said to the disciples, look, the fields are ripe unto harvest. You know what you need to do is pray for God to send laborers into the harvest. And then the next sentence was, he called them and he sent them. So be careful what you pray. Because if you pray for God, please go help those people. (laughs) Guess who he's going to send? That's right. Look in the mirror. It's you. When you get a burden for something, when you're moved with compassion, Be careful about praying because you are the answer to your prayer most of the time. God will send you. But don't be careful because actually there's no greater joy, no greater joy than being a partner with the living God to bring help and hope to hurting people.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.